You definitely can't do it on Facebook. Right. <laughs> People don't go on Facebook to have their minds changed. They're not going exactly. Yeah. Hello and welcome to WNC Original Music Episode 140, the Dubstep BPM episode. This week on the podcast is part two with Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh is a super talented guitar player, songwriter, singer, filmmaker, an actor, a bon vivant, and he's from Statesville, North Carolina. This is his second episode, as I mentioned before, and we're talking about his album, Burnt Out Soul. Uh, but he's already preparing to release another album in 2022. So make sure to follow him uh, so you don't miss when that comes out. And you can find him, among other places, at mattwalshmusic.net. Also make sure to check out Matt's YouTube channel. There's a lot of stuff on his YouTube channel. Um, he's maybe most notable for the Friday Night Gamble. That is his Friday night kind of variety music show. You can hear us talk more about that in the podcast interview. But also look for the Shiloh Saloon stories. That's a really cool feature he's got where he's just telling stories kind of from his life, especially uh, his musical experiences and uh, interactions with other musicians. Uh, Out of Control Vintage, Cooking and Butching. I have to admit, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to find out soon. Uh, His music videos, his live performances, and uh, he's got a lot of short films up there. Really interesting stuff there with his short films so Matt's just he's really doing a whole lot of stuff and it's really cool how he's integrated music into uh, really uh, I'm not exaggerating to say kind of a, a entertainment empire there so check out the links in the show notes for all of his uh, musical endeavors and right now here is Matt Walsh Pass your party to me 
song it's funny you know um i that one was that one was basically like you know really influenced by um um stack sound especially uh, uh cropper's guitar playing steve cropper's guitar playing you know as i use a telecaster <laughs> usually i vary at you know guitars on an album for this one for some reason i just used a tele my old telecaster on pretty much everything it's it, especially the, for the bed tracks of it meat of the song but um you know it had a real real cool steve cropper feel to it i thought you know and and um it just to me it was it's always until lately it's always been the one that's my least favorite favorite on the album but oddly enough just like when you put these damn things out you know yeah. everybody's like hey i love sugar uh-huh. <laughs> And I think because of them loving it, I grew to love it. Now, the, the one thing that, to me, it's always just been, there wasn't really anything special about that song. It was just a feel-good, happy song. Um, the The story on the lyrics of that song is, I always liked that band, the Guess Who, that Canadian oh, yeah. band back yeah. in the 60s. And they used to have that one song that talked about a, a smoke-filled room and a bag of goodies and we're going to get it on tonight and all this stuff. And I would hear that song when I came, you know, when I was a kid growing up on the radio, you know, and, uh, that's, and uh, just, oh, no sugar tonight, no, right? no sugar tonight yeah. in my coffee. Yeah. Right. How yeah. crazy is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and not that, not that I took the, the title or anything from that, but uh, even if you did, it'd be all right. Even if I did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, okay. But, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, that song just always, you know, when you're 13 and 14 years old and, and you're acting up and, you know, being, being going, getting ready to go down the, 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 the road of experimentation and all these things, you know, when you hear that on the radio, you wonder what, what is, what is, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. You know? So to me, I kind of wrote that song, um, thinking about the, the, Somewhere in my mind, I, that that song came back in, and I started thinking about that whole recollection, recollection of, um, you know, being a kid and wondering what that's about. So I kind of wrote that song from a young man's perspective, mm-hmm. who's sixteen or seventeen and finds himself in a basement with a girl, maybe he's got a crush on, you know. I was really writing that as a, as from my adolescence to a degree, um, as far as the lyrics. Um, but as far as the song, you know, what, what really started getting me really interested in the song is the, uh, the lap steel 
hook to it. Yeah. Which to me sounds kind of, you know, dreamy, almost, it almost sounds like glam rocky to me. You know? yeah. And a lot of times I describe things and uh, put names on things that probably don't have anything to do with what the sound is. But in my weird mind, that's how it, how it works. But um, I just I just brought the lap still in one day and, and I had been noodling with the, the mix at home once I got back home and decided to put this lap still on it. And at the time I had just gotten this old, uh, Roland space, space echo. Uh, Brian Setzer uses these things a lot. In fact, I think he's bought about every damn one of them. <laughs> but anyway, um, I found one that he, he didn't, he must've skipped over and it was kind of in bad shape, but I put it back together, got a guy in Asheville to, to, to redo it and everything. And, um, I had just gotten it back and I uh, took it over to uh, Alan Law's house, who was one of the engineers and, and the guys that helped me produce the album. And we just got really wacky with the Space Echo and mm -hmm. just, you know, kind of went to outer space with it, which you can totally do with one of those those machines. Space Echo, if you don't know, it's a it's a uh, it's a tape delay for uh, guitar, um, just like the kind of like the old uh you know echoplex same yeah. kind of effect except the, the space echo is kind of crazy because on these old echoplexes you've got reels you know it's basically you have two reels and you know the, the when you hit hit the effect it, it just basically takes those reels and spins them well when you look at the space echo you take the top off but of it off and it's got all this tape but it's not on a reel it right. just looks like a like a bunch of snakes moving around and all kinds kinda of kind of like a uh, like if you ever taken a eight track tape apart. Yes, because that's how exactly. eight track tape does. It goes exactly it goes, so it can come back around. Yeah, exactly. Right. And um, and it's wild and it's really a lot more unpredictable than a than a space echo because no matter what you play, it's never going to come out the same right or, you know right. so it's a really fun you can't really dial in your meter like on a uh you know right a, a boss pedal or something like that exactly yeah. a lot of times what you get is what you just get but yeah. it's fun and, I, and i've loved that thing i don't use pedals that much i mean other than just the stuff that that may not be on an amp that i'm using like tremolo or or something like that but i am a huge 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 uh addict of tape delay you know yeah. ever because of all the sun record stuff and oh, yeah, all that yeah. scotty moore and everything so but yes yeah, so that's the skinny on that one it uh it just um it, it basically took steve cropper to outer space i guess <laughs> <laughs> can we do that can we put steve cropper in outer space sure yeah <laughs> Keep running just to make up my mind. 
That's another fun one. Um, ever since I was, you know, when I started started playing guitar, I was 12 years old. And I kicked around with it for about, oh, goodness, I was 16. And all I ever did, I never learned to even play a chord. I just learned that how to do this one little kind of solo kind of thing where I would really be able to do a lot of vibrato i just focused mm -hmm. on vibrato but i could play i could turn on the radio and learn and and figure out what key they were in even though i didn't know the keys or oh, anything yeah. so after doing that for about four years and then getting into film and stuff like that i just put the guitar up until um i went to, to art school and when i was about 18 or so i dug it back dug it back out and actually learned an e chord and an a chord and a b chord and, and started putting that together and figuring out how to do a lot of, of stuff I had been trying to do for years, I guess, listening to Light and Hopkins and stuff like that. And so uh, when I turned about 19, I just, my uncle had passed away, who was a huge, huge part of, of, of the stuff I listened to and kind of set me 
on a good path as far as music. He was the one that really got me into blues when I was about 12 years old. I went up to his house and he was playing Lightning Hopkins and Muddy Waters on his porch and stuff out drinking Miller 40 ounces mm-hmm. with his buddies and stuff. And uh, when I heard that stuff, it just it just really, really struck a chord with me, that old 1950s Muddy stuff and, and Lightning and all that stuff. But Anyway, it really, when he passed away, I just, I kind of felt like, you know, I dropped out of school and I was doing nothing with my life and uh, just going down a road of, you know, where I need to do a U-turn, basically. And um, so I I really started focusing on the guitar, you know, and I had this progression that I found. I didn't know what I was playing really or anything, what key I was in or anything or what, what was happening. But there was this old progression that was basically I would play a little bit. And this guy that I got back in touch with that I would go hang out with when I was young named Max Drake, real well-known guitar player around North Carolina, used to play in a band named R. Hooley. And so when I turned 19 or so and got my head kind of back on straight, I contacted him. We started hanging out again. I played it for him. He said, oh, wow, that's that's basically like a, a ballad is what that is. And so I carried that song around for, I mean, the better part of 20 some odd years. Every once in a while, I would just take my guitar out and noodle around on it and really didn't have a purpose for it or anything like that. And uh when I was writing these songs, all of a sudden I just started noodling on it again and it spoke to me and this time decided to come as a song. So, um, I, that song really was like 20 years in the yeah. making since yeah. I, I, I mean, over 20 years in the making since I was 19 years old. And, um, so we wrote the song and me and Chuck, Chuck Cotton that played drums on the album, um, it was just he and I and uh, my engineer, Alan Laws, that's worked on all my records pretty much except one of them. Um, we went to Nashville together. And um, before we did, me and Chuck just had, Chuck and I just had uh, one one rehearsal where I showed him the songs and kind of told him what, what we were going to, you know, what the feel was and all this stuff. And when we were doing Leaving Blues, uh, all of a sudden he came up in, in the middle of, of this, this kind of rest in the song between the, the, the verses from the, the chorus to the verse. He just came up with this great rim shot thing. And, you know, it goes back to some instruments and some parts really make a song what it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, that to me was just it, it was just fantastic he, he um and the and the wild thing about that song too and talking about those rim shots is at the end it fades out and that's a natural fade out that's chuck actually oh yeah just fading out naturally there are no faders used on that at all and he, he just that really blew everybody's mind that and that after we listened back to that you know i mean he's just such a seasoned fantastic fantastic drummer and um and then Jerry Sharon, a good friend of, of mine, played some some be- beautiful piano parts on this. The, a lot of the a lot of my approach to this album, uh, the album I did before it was a real guitar heavy album. And the fact that some songs I would use six guitars on, mm-hmm. you know, you might not know that when you listen to it. But I was doing all these colorings and using guitars and and unorthodox ways not trying to make them sound like other instruments at times and stuff like that. So I really wanted to back away from that and. And to make other instruments, um, kind of let the song di- dictate what instruments would m- make it kind of click. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I definitely wanted to back off the guitar, which I found was a 
turned out to be a great approach because mm-hmm. I think it really made the album. It, it it allowed the songs to become something different, you know. And um, but yeah, leaving blues. I, I love that drum part, and uh, I know you're airing this later, but I'm getting ready to release a, a music video for it tomorrow. Oh, and that drum part was was so important to me. Those rim shots that <laughs> up until the time of the video shoot. Um, I started wondering because it's kind of a different. I've, I've done I've done four I'm, I've done four of the the songs on the album as a kind of like a live music video where I go to these kind of settings that kind of um, click with the song mm-hmm. to a degree, you know, or feel right with the song. And I've I've, I've done two that are full length, kind of almost like uh, short films. And the video is just a part of that short film. Yeah. And I've got I've got two more of those I'm going to film. One for my next move and one for Burnout Soul. But when I went to this this one, this was more of a live video. And I thought to myself, right up until the time that we were getting ready to shoot it, I thought, how am I ever going to recreate this drum part of his in between you know the chorus and the next verse? And I was wearing this jacket, uh, this old Champion spark plug jacket, and it just happened to have these metal kind of grommet buttons on it. And and I had a um, a resonator metal guitar, like a dobro. That I played the song on, and uh, when I was kind of noodling around, we were setting up the 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 metal just kept hitting the metal on the guitar, and I was really going, oh, this this might not work. You know, I'm gonna have to take the jacket off. And so I decided just to roll the sleeve up once, and when I did, it allowed me to kind of like manipulate that button backwards Uh to where it was flat on the other side instead of sticking out to button into a to a a, you know a a grommet and um i I was able to tap find this place on the guitar that if i hit it consistently every time i could get that rim shot oh yeah and that's what happened so oh that's cool it it really made the song i think once again because without that it just you know it just loses a lot of the vibe so in the video you're playing it live you're not you're not like lip syncing the song the recorded track or nope. something no nope. okay. I, I did four i did four songs like that i did um um the door happier blue uh sugar which we did in a coffee shop mm-hmm. you kind of see where i'm going with this <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> But no, I I want to try to take a new. You know, I'm not. I'm always trying to find something different, and I wanted to do a music video where there was a setup, there was an idea, but to do it live, you know. Yeah. And just like the opposite, I wanted to do four songs on the album like that, but I also wanted to do four songs like we've done with "Come Here No More" and "Don't Shut My Party Down," to where it's basically like a 15 minute feature, you know, and it's. To me, they're like like the idea that what gave me the idea to do that is wasn't thriller, but actually like Elvis movies to where oh, when yeah. he has this little performance thing right, in it, you right. know, and especially with "Don't Shut My Party Down," the way we did that one was totally a ripoff of of those old Elvis movies yeah. to where that was just you know subsequential to the movie. Every Elvis movie is just eight long form music videos, right? Exactly. Together, you know, and you're exactly. like, if you think about the plot, you're like, wait a minute, he was a sea boat <laughs> captain. And now he's racing cars. What? But he sang three songs, so it's, it's all right. Yeah, exactly. It's right. Yeah. So it sold well. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it made sense. And he was a cowboy, too. So for, right. For that. More from Matt Walsh in just a few moments. want to remind you that you can hear all of his music at mattwalshmusic.com or just search Matt Walsh in any of the streaming places. Also, uh, search Matt Walsh on YouTube for his uh, really fascinating and uh, very enjoyable uh, YouTube channel. 
Hey, it's Andrew Scotchy from Andrew Scotchy and the River Rats. Thank you for supporting WNC Original Music. Visit andrewscotchymusic.com for tour dates, merch, and much more. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search WNC Original Music at any of the major or minor podcast carriers. Also, you can ask your smart speaker to play WNC Original Music, and you can find it on Pandora, a lot of different places, or you can just go to WNCOriginalMusic.com. If you have any comments or suggestions, uh, people you think should be on the podcast, or if you are a band that wants to be on the podcast, just email wncoriginalmusic at gmail.com. Corrections and clarifications from last week's episode with Carrie Morrison. A gorilla is a uh, large, hairy primate. Um, kind of a bad attitude, a lot of people think. And gorilla uh, literally means small war, and it's basically a form of irregular warfare um, especially when um, a smaller group is fighting against a larger group. So we were both right. Hey, this is Presley Pardue, and you're listening to WNC Original Music. So could you turn it up, please? I really want to hear this. Let's talk a little bit about the Friday Night Gamble. Oh, yeah. I'd love to. That's, that's my baby right yeah. now, pretty much. And what is that? <laughs> I mean, I know what it is, but yeah, you know what it is. But the I know what I, night, I know what I see. I want to know what your <laughs> interpretation of it is. The Friday Night Gamble, in my mind, is um, a live stream variety show, mm-hmm. and uh, from all all points gathered, seems to be North Carolina's one and only and go to variety show. You know, top variety show, and um, you know it was. <sighs> Back back when this all started in March, um, I was just like everyone else. I you know I thought, well, okay, I can set this out for two weeks, no big deal. You know, I'm, I'm I'm I've treated music as a business, and I I if you can't make it through two weeks, then hell, man, you ain't got a business. Yeah. But um, so anyway, you know, I just kind of I was like, hey, you know, I, I can I can back out and settle down and just wait for everything to pass. But, you know, as time went on and I saw that wasn't going to happen, I, I really started panicking just like everyone else. At the, at the, and then, you know, at the same time, I knew that, hey, man, if you're going to if you're going to carry on, you're going to have to sink or swim and you're going to have to do what businesses do when hard times come. You're going to have to reimagine this business. I knew that from probably t- third weekend mm-hmm. i thought man if this because because as if you're going to run a bit music like a business you need to think ahead mm-hmm. that's another thing so i was thinking ahead okay what am i going to do if this don't work out well i'll tell you what i did i popped a beer and sat down and drank for about a week <laughs> <laughs> but then i started thinking you know man you know i started seeing so many people do these live streams i understood why they were doing them and and i definitely don't fault them for it but being the person I am, I, I, I just stubbornly go the other way, and mm-hmm. I wasn't going to do that. I didn't want to ask people for their money during those first two weeks, you know, because it went back to the whole idea of, you know, how are people going to take you seriously if you're asking them for money? You can't even make two weeks of this, you know, kind of thing. 
and, and it just made me feel like, oh, you know, nobody's going to take it, take it seriously. But, um, I just, I just didn't want to do what everyone else was doing. I would, and, and Hey, listen, no, I'm not trying to insult anybody or anything like that, but I didn't want to turn on my camera and sit there and tune the guitar for 10 minutes and mm-hmm. it'd be bad lighting. And just, you know, I just felt like, man, you just got to do something else. Just so I went back to making films and, uh, I made a mockumentary of when tiger, this was all when tiger King was out. So, uh, mm-hmm. I made a mockumentary about uh, buddy hardwood called uh, werewolf King. Mm-hmm. And if anybody that knows me knows I have werewolf roadies and all this universe, these characters and, and, and buddy hardwood is someone who basically won't get out of my life. He's, he's just one of those thirsters. I don't know yeah. if you know that term, a thurster. Yeah. He just, he just wants to be in the limelight. You know, he has no talent. He has no kind of anything, right. but he's just always trying to be backstage that guy, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, I made a, made a mockumentary about him. And then I made another one about a character of mine named uh, cowboy and cowboy has been a character of mine since I was 14 years old. He was kind of like my claim to fame in high school. Everybody was like, you know, talking about cowboy it was mm-hmm. like kind of an underground film in, in high school you know these all these cowboy films i'd make so i just you know i started doing that and and when i put those out <clears throat> people loved it especially the werewolf king thing i think it was just around the time it, it just worked out it's perfect time and people loved it people thought it was hilarious and all this stuff and uh somebody during that time messaged me and said hey matt he said you know at the end of the day he said uh i don't even know who this guy was either or I can't remember who it was, but he said, you know, at the end of the day, you're just an entertainer. And man, when he said that, it just clicked in my mind. I said, you know, this guy's got it. And it started making me think back to like when I was a kid and I'd dress up as somebody and come downstairs and put on a show for my mom and my granddad, my uncle, you know, and do all these skits and stuff. And so I just, you know, somewhere along the the way, I just started thinking, I started watching George Jones show and going back and watching Johnny Carson and all these late night shows. I mean, I mean, all this stuff, you know, he haul anything, anything, any kind of Arsenio Hall mm-hmm. and just studied it, you know, and I thought, man, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a live stream variety show and I'm going to, I'm going to make it try to try to make it a lot of different skits and stuff, but focus around a North Carolina musician who writes an original music or, uh, in some of the early episodes, I tried to feature some side men that, uh, were, had been around that had played with so many famous people, but just never had a really sit down interview, you yeah. know, that, that, they, that would be, and that's my hope with the Friday night gamble is that it is a lot of fun and, and it's a lot of skits and stuff, but a lot of the idea too is to preserve, um, candid interviews that are, well, excuse me, uncanned interviews, interviews yeah. that aren't canned, that aren't like, Hey, you have to, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't say that on our area. So, so we just kind of like, we can come upstairs and to the attic, which is basically now a studio. That's where I'm sitting right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's basically like a little sound stage and, and everything is plug and played and wired up and there's lights and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, from start to finish, it's, I just wanted to run it like a real show, you know, yeah. from the time that, that you, you, you don't start it, it comes out at seven o'clock on my Facebook page. And then I archive it on my YouTube channel, which is just Matt Walsh music is the handle mm-hmm. for that. But, um, you know, I wanted it to run like a real show. I wanted 
want to come on on time at seven o'clock when that thing hits seven o'clock you better believe we're going to be on and tony tony presswood my film making friend is the mc mm-hmm. so seven o'clock hits you're going to hear it's time for the friday night you know so and um and we run it like that from start to finish yeah. and and the, try to do the production right lighting everything sound and uh, it's just grown, man, over, we did 33 episodes the first, and now we're on our second season. We're into four, the fourth episode coming up, and it's just grown. It started out with me and a, a, my drummer, Raymond Brooks, and from that, you know, I just tried to keep bringing on more outlandish, crazy stuff. You know, we'd have the dance party, and that turned into the werewolf dance party. And then we had, you know, Ricky Dickerman on. And now now we have a, a, a game show called High Rollers where, mm. you know, we give out $25 cash every week to someone that can answer. We've got a wheel we spin, you know. It's like Wheel of Fortune, the yeah. whole thing. So uh, oh, cool. it's just become, you know, it's, it's, because, it's been a blessing for me in so many ways because – talk about going back up and down the road constantly and the perpetual gigging you just i just never you know i've I've always been aware of all these folks especially in the asheville area some of the effects of ashley heath drew burgess um, people down here and in my neck of the woods drew faust um uh, ella patrick i mean there's so many people mama molasses but you know i just i just never had the time to really investigate their music to be yeah. guilt, to be honest, guilt, yeah. guilty, guilty as charged there. But uh, and I never had the chance to to get to know these people. But it, it really the show has been such a cool thing for me because I get to you know play someone's original music. To me, I feel like it's like a, being G Smith. You know, yeah, yeah. I get to match a guitar up to the sound that they're doing. You know, I right. get to learn the music. I try to learn it and and do my best to really support them and and make them mm-hmm. feel feel like they have a real foundation to lay upon you know and take the stuff seriously try to make them shine and um it's just fascinating man the yeah. wealth of of talent in the in, in the state because i mean you you look at people that are really hot right right now in a lot of these these genres of songwriting you know people like sarah farrell and uh and, and Charlie Crockett, some of these names like that, you know, that I know of. Uh, I mean, these, these cats that come on the show, they're just as good. Yeah. They really are. Oh, yeah. You know, they may not have been around as long or been, had the opportunities that's to, to grow as some of these cats have, but, you know. Yeah. The show itself reminds me kind of um, a couple of things. It reminds me of um, like the tonight, the mid 70s tonight show when. Yeah, that, like, you know, you always think of like Johnny Carson bringing on like Burt Reynolds and and them getting kind of, uh, you know, a little bit silly and stuff like that. But also um, from a musical point of view, I don't know if you ever saw like the original MTV Unplugged. And for like oh, the yeah. first year, it wasn't just a band coming on and playing Unplugged. There was a guy who hosted it. And right. it was usually just like one other person would come on and they would play together or something like that. And it was, you know, a little more give and take versus, hey, here's just an acoustic concert for everybody. You just know? a bunch of, yeah. Uh, just but yes, a little split, bit like yeah. that. But then a little bit of the comedy, you know, and just, just people, you know, sometimes they're they're your friends and sometimes they're people you don't know, but then they're, you know, also entertaining. So, uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. And, and the thing is, you know, I, I just, the, my thing from the get-go is I just wanted to, 
I've always just wanted it to be a place where people can come and have a good time. Yeah. You know, there's, there's bars that I've played at. One of them closed down uh, recently. We made actually, we made a documentary about it over the summer. Me and, and Tony did called bourbon about a place called bourbon street in Hickory. Mm. But you know, some, some places, you know, as a musician, when I go to them, uh, you know, there's some places you go where you just, you just know, that, that you're not going to have a problem. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, you're going to have a good time. The people there are good folks. Everybody's trying to get along. You know, it's a welcoming. So that's, that's, that's my big thing with the Friday night gamble. I just want it to be a place where people can actually go on Facebook or whatever and, and feel like, Hey, you're, you're wanted here. Yeah. You, you know, you, you can have a good time. You can sit back. Hopefully I, I think, and I think a lot, I've got, I've gotten this from the, a lot of the audience that watches it. People tell me the most common thing they say, I feel like I'm there with y'all and yeah. I feel like I'm there with the musician. And the other thing I get is that, Hey, I watched the show to find out, find, or not find out, but to, to, to come across new musicians because yeah. a lot of them tell me, and a lot of them are older folks too, you know, that are in their fifties and sixties and, and they don't know how to, find a lot of the times they're, they're i mean they're not they're not actively in a music scene to where right, they right. but they hear you know some of that comes on the show and next thing you know i mean i mean we've had people that come on the show and like as soon as they come off i've had people emailing me from from places i've played and they're like well how do we get a hold of this person to book them for a gig you oh know? yeah so yeah that's cool it's it's been a really just a, a really fantastic thing and yeah. and and uh and, and, and honestly, you know, a lot of, it wasn't, I can't sit here and claim that this was my uh, idea was to, to give people a venue or a platform, but I've had a lot of musicians that came over here who really were like, you know, poured their heart out to me and said, Hey man, you know, this, this, you're really giving people a platform to, to play, you know, when we can't. So, yeah. which is kind of crazy that I never thought of that, but it right. wasn't my intention. I just want to have a funny, you know, feel good variety. Yeah, show. yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's also a way for them to, cause there might be people who are either self-conscious about doing their own live stream or just have already done it and don't want right. to just do the same thing over and over. Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? Cancel out on me I'll make it through Cause I'm afraid of memory And you know it's true If you come into town Drop me a line It's winter in my heart In summertime When the hounds are at your door I hope they don't have no Life ain't that long Half as long as this song There's so much to live for Driving around all day Count the dues that you pay And once you still owe Wonder when they'll leave you alone 
dawn is at your door And you can't speak no more Worry has the best of you And it ain't even through Messing with your song uh, I think that song is it was written as a musician or or as an artist um, and, and and or for artists or for musicians because it 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 it's definitely something I don't think I think I think that the anybody that's not one of those things I'm sure they've had the feelings that are expressed in that song but it's definitely speaks to someone that's um, I guess struggling to get their art known or struggling to be heard all the things that you go through all the you know the long nights uh paying dues uh driving around all day you know um and, and let's just like i said driving around all day counting the dues you have to pay you know that you've paid um so it's always i guess you know the door is just a metaphor for finding that you know there's lots of doors i guess as artists it goes back to the saying yes to everything, you know, mm. you, there, you, you, you say yes to, to this door and you walk through it and it may be the door that, you know, takes you somewhere great. And it may be that thing that they sometimes put on you, you know, when you're young and you're doing this and they say, Hey kid, you can get a lot of exposure for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out that, you know, you got like a hot dog and, <laughs> you know, a lot of people walk by and they didn't even right. look at you, you know, like being so, on a podcast. Well, I like I like the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's, a lot, it's a lot easier than right. sitting out in the heat. Right. But uh, <laughs> but no, it's it's just it's just looking for that. You know, I really believe that a lot of it is hard work and, mm -hmm. and dedication, and and but it's a lot of it's you know making good decisions and good choices and being business minded. But there's always, no matter how how much you do, there's always going to be that trying to find that door. And I think there's, I think there's a lot of doors. I mean, you know, people measure success on in, in different ways and, and everybody, you know, had, you know, it, it, it's different for everyone, you yeah. know, yeah. but I think, I think we're always, you know, struggling to find that door that's going to, for me, at least I'm trying to find a door that's going to make me like, you know, Thirty million dollars. Right. You know? I, I mean, because honestly, I, I don't know if I don't know if other musicians are like this, but I mean, really, I mean, I want to make a lot of money. 
I, really, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, I've always tried to make a lot of money, but I mean, I want to make like millions of dollars. You know, yeah. I want to be the point where I don't have to, where I don't have to, I can just go play for two months out of the year in the next, you know, 10, I can just sit around and make music with all my music friends and then go make films with all my, my you know, film friends and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but, you know, so just trying to find the door to, to, you know, I think, I think all these, I think every, every, uh, I think every musician and artist and person actor, we're all trying to find that door to walk through. And sure. it, that song is just about, you know, the process of frustration and failure and success too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All of it. Figured it out. It's illusion. Tricked us with confusion. Here you are, yelling conspiracy. We're sick in each other, it's a travesty. Why do you believe everything you're teaching? I'll ruin you, you can ruin me. Well, 
You know, I, I wrote that one too before things are like they are today. I just, you know, I think a lot of that was just like opening Facebook, you know, to post something because I don't really look at Facebook. I'm, I'm, you probably know that through our conversations. That I'm kind of ignorant to some of that stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, about what's going on and stuff. But um, I've caught your show a couple times, you know, and, and that's you know just happened to find it and then join the group and everything but yeah. uh but when i when yeah i think you know when i open facebook or any of these social media things it's pretty self-serving i'm just promoting myself, right which right. is great right and i'm and and to anybody out there listening to this don't let anybody ever guilt you for self-promotion because some people frown on that but you know nobody's going to promote you like yourself but so anyway you know a lot of that song was just opening facebook and just seeing people just being so hateful to each other and just you know it goes back to i don't understand why people subscribe so much to politicians and worship politicians and because in my mind you know these people don't give a flying you know what about us and uh, i'm just not a political guy in the first place like i said i just stay in my own realm kind of it's a lot more satisfying and and uh, I don't think it's going to infect my soul enough to where I get like cancer at an early age right. from all that negativity. But it just, you know, it just came from the idea. Does it make you happy or blue? I mean, do you, do you want to tear each other down and be hateful to each other? Does that make you happy or blue? Yeah, you know, yeah. does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel bad? You know, so it was just a, a way to kind of ask folks, you know, I guess, or, or folks that behave that way, you know, is what, you know, what, what would you rather, you know, yeah. how, how would you like things to be? And and it's definitely no political song or anything like that, but right. it's, it's definitely geared towards. It's more social uh, idea of social yeah, consciousness. Song. Yeah. 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 To where, you know, I just, it's so easy just to, to treat people right. You yeah. Know? You know, there's a, to um, me it is. <laughs> yeah. There's a, um, I don't know what you would call her, but she's a, she's an author. And there's a, there's a thing. It's almost like a joke now where, um, there's this woman who she talks about like, um, cleaning things out of your house, uh, you know, like getting rid of junk in your house. And her, her like tagline is you have to, you're supposed to look at something and say, does this bring me joy? And if it doesn't bring you joy, you get rid of it. And people don't, people, you know, have like kind of latched onto that and people do that. But people don't really think about that, about the things they do. Like, does this thing I do, does this way I act bring me joy or does it not? And if it doesn't, I mean, you should think about getting, getting rid of that, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, that's not my hope. I don't, you know, I'm definitely not someone that 
I learned a long time ago that you don't get all, you know, you don't, you don't, you can't change people and there's no reason to necessarily change them, you know, cause, but you definitely can't do it on Facebook. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. People don't go on Facebook to have their minds changed. They're not going exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same, at the same time, it, you know, it makes me kind of hope, not hope, but just kind of, I guess kind of, I don't know. B.B. King always heard had a way of saying things to people that were out of line, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not trying to say I'm that person, but, but this goes back to that. B.B. King always had a, had a really polite way of bringing somebody down to earth, mm-hmm. but he'd always do it in a polite way, in a real classy way. He'd never insult them, you know? Uh-huh. So I think that just goes along those same lines. It just kind of make you, make you just, hey, man, step back and just, you know, take a breath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check out what you're doing here and all this shit, all this stuff that you're spreading is so bad, you know. And so that's um, basically what that one's about. All right. I want to thank Matt for being on the show. Uh, always great to have him on. Just a delight to talk to. Uh, make sure to check out his YouTube channel. Uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of cool stuff up there, uh, especially the stories he tells. Those are, those are really cool. Um, also, uh, this is going to be an extended episode uh, because we did have such a good time talking but I want to get our um, closing song up uh, at some time before the hour ends. So the rest of the interview is going to be uh, after that. Don't forget to look for Matt's music at mattwashmusic.com. And also don't forget to follow him on Instagram and Facebook, but especially on YouTube. Basically, if you follow him on Instagram and Facebook, he's just telling you to follow him on YouTube anyway. So it all works out. Don't forget to follow the what is this podcast wherever you get your podcast i forgot what this was for a second uh just search wnc original music wherever you get your podcast follow on facebook and instagram really you can just google wnc original music and uh, it'll it'll point you in the right direction in general and now finally to the closing song which i referenced before closing song this week comes from iris marlowe iris is actually returning to the show Uh, she was nice enough to send another song to play here Iris is a folk singer-songwriter from Chicago, Illinois. Make sure to check the show notes for links to her music, or you can search Iris Marlowe on Spotify or all the streaming services. She also has a great YouTube channel. This song is called Cowboy Chords, and it's the second single from Iris's upcoming album, which uh, should be out this year. Here's Iris Marlowe. Have a good week.
As promised, here is the extended interview with Matt Walsh. All yeah, right, it's been a fun thing. Uh, we're gonna play a we're gonna play a game here, a game show game. Uh, this is this is to win a. I don't think I told you. I meant to tell you that you did. I tell you we were gonna do something like this. I don't think I did. I don't um, think you did. But I love yeah. I love surprises. Right. Half the stuff I do on the show. I don't tell yeah. Tony, Tony, Tony P about, which, uh, which drives him crazy. Oh yeah, so I'm always throwing stuff on. So this is a new thing though, so uh, so you're the first one to play. Then I'm going to okay. hit you up for uh, the prize for next time. The prize for this week is 
this week's prize is for a Hustle Souls t-shirt, the band Hustle Souls. Are you familiar with them? They're fantastic. They're kind of like jazz. I think I've heard that. Yeah. I need to probably have them on the show, probably. Yeah. The game is, I'm going to name six bands. You have to name two people, two of the members of each band. Of of each six. Of each six, yeah. Um, So Right. So if I said the Beatles, I'm not going to say the Beatles, but you could say John Lennon, Paul McCartney. Right. And then you win. And you only have to get four out of the six. So... This is the part where I'm going like yeah. absolute, absolutely bomb, and, and they're, these everybody are, listening. They're they're going to be like, you know, that guy was talking about all that musical history, right. new and all that stuff. <laughs> right, right. But these are also, yeah, just to make it hard. This might be easy for some people, but I'm going to pick fairly mainstream, well, very mainstream bands, but you, uh, but no blues bands. So no blues. Oh yeah, 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 yeah no blues out. in here. That'd be too easy. All right. So the first one is this should be easy. Uh, Van Halen. Oh, Eddie Van Halen, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, you want Sammy Hagar, you want David Lee. Oh, want, yeah, there you go. Good, okay. You know. All right, all right. The Police. Oh, Stuart Copeland. Uh, oh, my God. Sting. Yeah. Wow. You got. You want to go for three? Uh, uh, Andy Summers. There right? you go. All right. Yeah, all right. All right. I love those guys. Man, That's... this is going to be quick. Uh, NWA. Uh, Ice Cube. And um, Dr. Dre. Yeah. Dang. Um, I tell yeah, you, I listen to I'm going to make stuff. this harder. Uh, Red I like Hot, hip-hop, man. Uh, I mean, um, well, certain hip-hop. Oh, yeah. Uncle Tupelo. <sighs> um, I, think I, I think I've been on a bill with them. Really? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. You stumped uh, me there. Um, Jay Farrar. I'm say Uncle. Okay. Just, uh, you know, Uncle Tupelo became Wilco and, or split up and then became Wilco and, um, I never got into oh, Wilco. Yeah. I yeah. know absolutely nothing about Wilco. That's all right. Um, that's all right. You still only had to get one out of the rest of them. Uh, Red oh, Hot damn. Chili Peppers. Oh, Flea, Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, you got uh, it. What's the guy, what's the drummer's name? Oh, I, I don't I even know. I watched him interview name. Ginger Baker. Yeah. And that's the fun, that's the funny, Chad Smith, right? I don't know. Uh, if there were any that I, didn't, that I didn't know that you, I mean, you Chad Smith, I was drummer. just going to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you, head. if you hadn't seen it, he does an interview with Ginger Baker. That's fantastic. And I mean, everything, you know, everything, every interview with, with, with they had that, that movie about Ginger Baker. Uh, God, what was it called? It was a documentary. But anyway, everything he, it's so funny. Chad Smith's like, Hey man, don't you remember like back in 19, such and such, and we did that thing and, and you were up there on the thing and, and Ginger's sitting back in a recliner smoking a cigarette and he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You win the t-shirt. I'll let him know. Golly, send man. it right out to you. Congratulations. Fantastic, man. Um, That's like the second thing I've ever won in my life. Oh, really? You know, the, the oh. First, yes, it is probably. Congratulations! I'm not. A, I, have, I'm, I haven't won a lot. The, the only other thing I've won in my life, I, I went when uh, 2000. I went to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. I got the wild idea to move to Wichita, Kansas when I was young and hmm. for about six years. But I, I ventured down to Tulsa, Oklahoma uh-huh. and participated in this blues challenge that went to this international blues challenge in Memphis they have every year still. But I beat out 12 bands by myself with an acoustic guitar. Oh, wow. I think two or three of them had horn sections. Uh-huh. And uh, I had never won anything in my life. I never played sports, so oh, I never wow. had trophies. How old, how old were you? 22, 23. Oh, wow. 
and they said my name and it was just like it was like every, i remember i couldn't hear yeah. everything went like you know it was yeah. like dreamy and then they come with this big trophy i still got it over here in the other room so yeah that's, that's fantastic oh, that's I, mean, awesome. I win a lot of stuff well you kind of just did ginger baker but uh do you have any uh, musical impressions that you do yeah i got one all right um Man, he'd probably kill me for it too. I don't even know if I should do it. Okay. He, he probably won't hear it, but my my one of my dearest friends in the world is Mookie Brill, and uh, if anybody knows Mookie, he he's an Italian guy. He lived in he's he's from New York. He, he family I thinks from New York, but uh, he's just a fantastic stand up bass player, and he's probably never heard me do it. But yeah, I can do a fantastic Mookie Brill imitation. And then it just goes something like this, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like riding down the van with, uh, you know, Willie <laughs> and uh, Pine Top. And uh, we go to a casino. Oh, there you go. So. <laughs> Very good. Uh, soon. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I don't mean no harm by that, Mookie, That's if right. you hear this. You're one of my can, favorite people in the world. Can we get, um, can, can you get us a, a video of Mookie talking? <laughs> yeah, he's on the. He was on the. Uh, I think he was on the fourth episode of the Friday Night Game. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll uh, he did a, splice a clip. He in did. There. Yeah, he did some great country songs, man, and uh, did a couple blues numbers. He, he. I mean, he knows more country songs than you can shake a stick I got at. It right it's crazy. here. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can find him talking. Well, that was a big deal in New York. They had a lot of listeners, and I used to listen to them. I don't, you know, I used to listen to other stuff too, but. Uh, you know, I would listen to that. Listen to other stuff too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, that was very good. All right. He's fantastic, man. He is a fantastic. I mean, I he won. You know, he won the. Um, they used to call it the Handy Blues Award, but I think they call. I can't remember what they call. It. I think they call it the Blues Foundation. Award. He won that thing so many times for bass that they basically just had to give it to somebody oh, yeah. else. <laughs> I mean, he is a fantastic, fantastic musician, fantastic guy. Do you have a uh, like a music lesson or tip, a quick music lesson or tip you can give to people? You've given like thirty tips so far, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, you know, I, I would say this. Uh, well, yeah, I tell you what. This day and age, you know, here's the thing I find about musicians this day and age that aren't backed by a big label or don't have a huge name it's like you know there are all these blah or these things that do-it-yourself musician i get them too i mean I've, I've signed up to them and i don't read them anymore except to laugh at them basically but <laughs> um you know they give all this advice to all these musicians and they you know that everybody follows it because i see what people do and stuff you know young folks especially and uh it's like, in my mind, it goes back to being stubborn and wanting to do things totally different than everybody else, because really, that's kind of what has got me through to a degree, too. Um, and is that is it's the theory that, hey, if y'all all read the same damn thing and y'all all do the same damn thing, y'all will definitely be doing the same damn thing. Hmm. So my thing is, uh, if you're young, think outside the box, listen to what people tell you don't don't um just blow them off but evaluate that and don't think just the here's the biggest one here's the biggest one right here just because somebody you respect and you think is cool 
or is a great musician, just because something worked for them or they tell you to do something or they tell you that, you know, this kind of music is what you not should be listening to, or you got to do it this way. You got to be a peer. Don't get hung up on that. Hmm. Take what you can from them and, and learn, but don't, don't let them, uh, you know, dictate what or who, you know, what you're going to do. That's a, that's a huge mistake. You know, I think it is. And, and, and definitely the, another big one I think is don't play for other musicians. Don't care what they think. I mean, you know, be respectful to people and, 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 and if they get in what you, what you like, you know, I mean, but, but don't, don't, you know, don't say, well, Oh, that guy's so good. So we got to play better than them. Or we got, my thing is play for your audience, play mm-hmm. for people that, because what I've experienced from a lot of musicians is musicians may act like they like each other, but a lot of times there's a lot of competition and, and there's a lot of, we don't always act like that, but if you have to be truthful, mm. music's a highly competitive thing, yeah. you know, so you can't be playing for other musicians. You have to play for what people, what your audience is. And, yeah. and I guess that's, that's what I would say, you know, the biggest blessing for me, and I, you know, it's just, you know, it's not, I think it's just because I'm, I'm so into what I, in my own world, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is that I just do what makes me happy, you know, and, and I do what, I just follow my own little path, you know, and just shut the world out most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it produces great results. I mean, yeah. it's, it's why I don't, yeah. don't, don't get hung up in all the old, all the noise. I just call it the noise, you yeah. know? And, um, and I just worry about what I'm doing. I don't, I try to intentionally, I try to be, look at what's going on, but I don't let it af- affect me as much or inform what I do. You know, I'm, I'm still that guy that goes back to the old music, you know, and, and, um, uh, tries to find something to make new out of that, you yeah. know, and not, I just don't worry. I just don't worry about what, what other people, what our musicians think. And, you know, a lot of the time, especially, especially as I get, further down the road i mean a lot of the times I, I, i'm guilty of not caring what the audience thinks you know if, uh-huh. if to me to me if i find something that's good and if it interests me i'm i'm probably going to go down that road you know yeah. and it might work and that might not but if it does it does you yeah. know and, yeah that's so. um i heard a, uh someone one time i uh, forget who it was but he said um the audience and your fans even he was talking about your face says your fans don't know they're tired of what you're doing until you've done it three times too many times. So exactly. So yeah, you, they might think they want to hear that, those songs again, they might think they want to hear your greatest hits, you know, but, but they don't realize they're, once they realize they're tired of it, they're realizing they have been tired of it for a while. Which goes back to the reason I think why I, I don't want to play live music all the time. That's Mm -hmm. just not my bag. It's because, you know, every time I go out and play, I want it to be different. I want, I mean, right down to the performance, right down to, to, you know what I mean? I just don't want it to ever be the same. And and I think you can't do that if you're playing every damn, you know, four nights a week. It's just yeah. it's so hard to tailor that, you know, whereas, you know, if you did two months out of the year, well, you can, they can go say they saw this show, but it was completely different from what happened over here, you know, kind of thing. So that's, that's a big one. That's definitely a big one. 